Welcome to another episode of Vibrant Visionaries with Heidi Bennett, happily broadcasting from KACRLP Alameda Community Radio. Enjoy the show. I'm really stoked to bring in someone who I just haven't really caught up with in a while, (laughs) and that is Darby Rose. So Darby, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for just hopping on and um, being ready to share all the projects you're up to. I follow you on Instagram and I feel like I'm always going, oh, Darby Rose seems to be really doing interesting things. I got to get her on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, why don't you just (laughs) go ahead and let her rip. Yeah. So my name's Darby Rose. Um, I'm from Oakland, California. I moved down to Los Angeles maybe seven years ago. I came out here to direct and make movies. And I had this grand lofty idea that it would be that and was quickly shot down by the patriarchy. And I quickly lost my interest in making films and even being a part of it. And I got sucked into reality TV. But years later, I finally came out and was like, wait, I love to make art. And so I focus on filmmaking, which is something I did for many years after I crept and crawled out of reality TV. And about actually a year ago, I launched a creative collective that I started with a friend of mine called Color Film. And we are a creative collective that hosts, curates, organizes workshops that are primarily focused on film, but kind of all the other arts and any way to help strengthen voices of storytellers and filmmakers. And in addition, for the fun, extra fun part of it, uh, we do movie nights. So all the films that we show are written and directed by woman and starring woman just straight woman not straight woman strictly woman (laughs) (laughs) so that's uh what we've been doing we've really been feeling it out the person i run it with we're both multi-creatives and so our minds are constantly changing so it's filmmaking creative collective curating otherwise i'm working on a couple other little things here and there little video projects I'm curating Spotify playlists because I get the fascinated hobby uh, from my mom of making CD playlists, which is something her and I did a lot growing up. And Spotify gives me that same musical freedom. And so I make Spotify playlists too. I think I'm the last generation that made mixtapes and mix CDs. And now I make Spotify playlists. And now there's kids that are like, what's a tape? And you're like, oh my God, (laughs) is this how my parents felt? And I'm like, what's a, I don't know, what were the things before VHS? Exactly. That's my point. I don't know anything before that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Music's been a huge part of my life growing up. I mean, film is like, my focus and what I do, but I was raised by my dad's a musician, my mom's a music head for life. And so I've always had music a part of my life. And so that's really been kind of my backbone and inspiration and creating art. So that kind of makes me think about female creators, female musicians. Are there certain ones that are your go to women that you love? Yeah, really, the people that really inspire a lot of my art are kind of all over the place. Someone that's really inspired me. Well, one, she's an obvious Oprah. Oprah just like takes over everything, does whatever she wants. She's got these grand ideas and she makes them happen and feel incredibly inspired by that, that she can come from whatever she came from and is the person and has built the empire and kept this foundation of like, you you can be your best you, only you know you, and you're going to do it the way that it needs to and should be done. 
Angela Davis has been a really big one. And to be honest, not someone I was raised knowing much about. A lot of the people I'm inspired by now were not people I was raised to be inspired by. I didn't know about other women of color or other marginalized voices that were so big a part of history because all the textbooks are about like these great white male presidents and these other like white women that did things. And so there was never really anyone that reflected me. I was fortunate enough to go to have the opportunity to go to a camp in Portland, Oregon called Rock and Roll Camp for Girls. My mom is an extremely resourceful person. And for the seven summers of ages 10 to 17 was able to go to Rock and Roll Camp for Girls in Portland, Oregon. That had women from the right girl generation there. So I was taught guitar by like Carrie Brownstein and Kathleen Hanna Bikini Kill was like a part of camp. And there were all these like really radical women. But to me, like I couldn't really comprehend who they were at that time. But women like that, I got access to because I I had a resourceful mom who was able to bring me closer to that. But back at school, when I went back to school during the school year, like I wasn't really being taught about women like that. You know, as I was starting, one of the reasons I started Color Film, one of the reasons I stay involved with Rock Camp, and one of the reasons I continue to make the art or the films that I'm making is I want people to know about these people that you don't get access to just from like regular public school curriculums or in textbooks or on the news. And I think now the media has changed drastically, and so you do get more access and more eyes on these types of idols and heroes. There are so many amazing filmmakers out there. There's so many amazing artists out there, so many amazing talent out there. And I just wish I had a platform where I could like show that they exist. And even if it's as small as social media, where maybe I can't do a workshop about them, or maybe do a movie night about them, but at least having that little bit of exposure to them. And so that was really the heart of color film was being able to just spotlight people. I try to use my platforms to bring exposure and awareness to artists and women that are creative in all sorts of ways. So it's really women from music like Kathleen Hanna to women on television like Oprah to um, activists like Angela Davis that have kind of inspired me all around to create art. That is so cool. And you you reminded me of something I knew about you when you were younger. I met you through your mom, as you know. <laughs> She's just like the raddest mom ever. Yes, she is. <laughs> were you able to help bring that camp to the East Bay as well? Not, no. I wasn't at all a part of that. Um, rock and Roll Camp for Girls, the one in Portland, that was the first I'm not going to say ever rock camp as if none has ever existed in the world, but it was the first of this international alliance that now exists. Mm -hmm. So I know the people that started the Los Angeles rock camp and the Bay Area rock camp. They were both started by people that came to Portland rock camp from wherever they came from. And they were like, whoa, what is this camp that exists? And they were part of it. And then to see them a year or two later start their own camp. Everyone essentially started at the Portland. But then it became a rippling effect. There are people that have camps all over the world. Like I got to go volunteer at the Brooklyn one. And that was insane. So yeah, no, I wish I could have been a part of the starting. But no, I like to just think I was a part of the maybe the love and the inspiration. Yeah, well, and I like that you brought up that ripple effect thing, too, because with what you're doing with you creating a platform and a collective and a place to educate people about films directed and written and starring women. Yeah, this ripple effect that that I'm sure you're having by just 
pointing people towards uh, filmmakers that maybe they hadn't heard of is really important. And I know that when I realized how few female filmmakers there were that I was aware of, mm-hmm. except for a couple of the the top ones that are sort of out there already that we're familiar with, that I just started on Twitter following all sorts of different accounts that I noticed were elevating that conversation. Yeah. That's how I've been educated and listening to something like Switchblade Sisters, where on that podcast, it's all female creators on there talking about filmmaking. So it's just really broadening my knowledge. And then I'm going and seeking out those films. So thanks for being a part of that ripple effect. It's definitely been really cool to like watch all these other platforms. And I feel like I someone said to me recently, they're like, it feels like they're all doing the same thing. Like they're all like bringing exposure. I'm trying to understand what the problem in that is. Everyone's taking a different corner of feminism and film right now. And they're all like tackling. So like there's people who are like creating meetups. There are people that have like online groups, you know, linking up with each other and sharing notes and getting other people for their crews. There are people that are just straight up like, we're just bringing you social media, like goodness to like educate you about women. The thing that's like still really interesting about your point about like, not knowing a lot of directors that identify as female or just like not men. People think there's not many female directors. And I had this conversation with someone recently and I was like, it's not that there's not many, it's that there's not many that get opportunities. Because there's plenty of women in the world that are, you know, writing scripts and maybe can't like get in the room to pitch their script. Or maybe if they get in the room to pitch their script, people might not want to actually listen to them and take them seriously. Or if they do take them seriously and they get the budget, they might not get the budget that they want. It's not just women. It's, it's everyone. But I think there is like a clear disadvantage for women in the support that they get along the way. Ava DuVernay, oh my God, she's my everything. (laughs) And on her show, Queen Sugar, she did something that was really fascinating. And I found myself, my internalized misogyny that's been programmed into me by society is that like, she hired only women to direct the episode, every episode of her show, Queen Sugar. But there were so many that even I was like, are there really that many female directors? And I was like, Darby, of course there are. What do you mean are there? Like, there are so many. But then I was thinking about the whole process that I just spoke about. But what was really fascinating to me that she did was that a lot of those directors had not done many things. Which then again, my internalized misogyny was like, okay, well, now she's just hiring inexperienced directors. I guess any woman can be a director. And I was like, no, that's not how this works. They got this opportunity in whatever way they found Ava or Ava found them. And she gave them that chance because that's the only way so many of us are going to get to do and get to shine in the way that we're supposed to is getting that chance. And women are not handed those chances nearly as many times or as often as men. So many times I watch men get offered just, yeah, sure, you look like you could do it versus women where it's like, well, can't she really do it? And I love that Ava was like, I don't really know what your experience is. is, Let's do this. I mean, I don't know what her process was, but to see these women on their IMDb and not have much going on was just like, but they were so eager and excited. And that is so, so important right now to just give people chances. All these things add up to Mm -hmm. just opportunities and, you know, learning maybe from (laughs) the men's clubs that we have the power to elevate all of our voices when we give each other 
opportunities when we lift each other up. Mm -hmm. So I went to fantastic fest in 2018 yeah. dude it was so amazing <laughs> dude i went to fantastic fest 2016 and i was like this is the dream i've always wanted to live it's amazing yeah i was so in love with it and so for those of you who are who are new to listening to this podcast this was something new for me to go to a festival that was just all about genre films and um horror and all sorts of exciting, wonderful films. So I got to go on a press pass. And so with that press pass, I was getting I'm jealous invitations and opportunities to interview uh, filmmakers. And so I made an extra special point of responding first to the invitations to um, speak with women who are directors. And so I spoke with Amanda Kramer Sandra Sealing Lipsky afterward, who she is a director, but is also the creator of the Mallorca um, Film Festival, International Film Festival. I spoke with Sonia Escalano, who's a Spanish director. And I also spoke with a woman named, mm -hmm. named Lisa Downs, who directed Life After Flash. It was really exciting. I, I got to speak with a few super cool guys and a whole bunch of awesome women. Rad. And it was so great because I had never met any of them before. I got to see their films and then I just got to talk with them. And those are all on VibrantVisionaries.com. So if you're curious about those, all of those episodes are just around 15 minutes long because that's about, you know, how much time we had to talk. But man, we got in deep. And that was the other thing that was just so cool is they were so willing to just be vulnerable and talk about the experience of making those films and want to talk with more filmmakers in person. Yeah. It was amazing. I think being around creative people is so important to stay on the track of creativity. And I only say that because I didn't realize how important that was until exactly a year ago. So I moved back to the Bay Area actually from June until the end of December of 2017. I had to take a little break um, is what I like to call it, aka mid-20s mental breakdown. And so I had to kind of <laughs> go reset. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't around any creative. I mean, I was around, Oakland is full of creative people. Don't get me wrong. The thing that I really like about LA is that there are so many outlets for the type of art and things that I like to do. I think the Bay Area has like a ton of outlets, but I think it wasn't the kind of art that I wanted to be a part of. Mm -hmm. Everything that I needed was what I had been building in LA. And so when I came back, you know, I was back around all my friends who make music, that paint, that draw, that rap, that sing, that write, you know, partake in art shows that run comedy shows. It's like, that is like my fuel. You know, my fuel is definitely self-care, but my fuel is my friends, like my friends making creative things, doing creative things, going to see them perform. You know, that's like the cherry on the Sunday to the work they've been putting in the last week or few months. And Fantastic Fest felt a lot like that. Places like Fantastic Fest for films are exactly why I want to make films. Exactly that. 
I don't know. I'd love to hear about your experience with 2018 because I heard 2018 was like the most diverse. Like people said it was really inclusive. Yeah. It, yeah, it was the first year for me, but I did get to meet several women and got to actually meet up at a couple of um, meetups that were especially to mm-hmm. just connect. And so I met directors and film writers and um, yeah. journalists and all sorts of people. And some of them had put together the um, code of conduct for that year and helped mm. helped put that together uh, the year after 2017. They all had a good sense of humor about it, but felt like, yeah, this is the year that things are really changing. And they, they had put in some action by getting together and yeah. formulating a plan of action and putting it to the folks that run the festival so that there yeah. were more women that were part of putting the festival on and curating what films were in it. And yeah. also, you know, that's probably why I got to be part of the press because I was a woman, yeah. <laughs> you know? So yeah, yeah, but yeah, it felt so inclusive. I, I felt so comfortable just walking around there and meeting people, a very, very friendly group of folks. That's rad. Yeah. Yeah. So the year I went, my ex-boyfriend and I went together and he <laughs> he laughs at this and I think it's funny. When I came out of the bathroom, I remember this so clearly. I came out of the bathroom. I could not find him because everybody in him looked the same. Right. There's a bunch of white dudes with like hoodie graphic tee glasses. And I was like, oh my God, where did he go? He is lost in the sea. And at the same time, it was also like, okay, you guys, this is kind of an issue. I wish I saw more people that looked like me. Fortunately, I was able to make a friend who I'm actually still funny enough. She was like my camp friend. Her and I are still friends. And you know, we met standing in line, but she was also the only other one of the few other people of color, you know, her and I like stayed close. And but we both had the same mentality of like, we're here for films at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And I think some people are more likely to stay quiet. And I think her and I probably why we got along so well is because we were like, no, there needs to be more people in representation here. I think why I really admire Fantastic Fest, Fantastic Fest went under fire. And I don't know how close you were following all that. But they had some people in their realm that were not great people. Yeah. But instead of them ignoring it, moving forward on the track they were on, they decided we're still going to keep doing what we're doing, but we're going to make this a more inclusive realm. And I think that's really important. I think people get really scared to be inclusive right now. Like everyone's saying diverse because it's such a buzzword and it's making me hate the word more and more. They really follow the route of inclusivity and being allies. And it's not easy to be an ally and it is not easy to be inclusive because you really have to tap deep into your own privilege, your own identity, and you have to find ways to make yourself vulnerable and be like, okay, the way that we've been doing this is not totally right. That's been a conversation that's been ongoing with color film i'm a multiracial woman of color my partner who's doing this as a white woman like doesn't mean that we're like our boxes are checked we're not like okay cool we know how to do this we know all about diversity like we're constantly having conversations Mm -hmm. we're constantly exploring our own our own feminism our own intersectionality and inclusivity because that is really important for us with color film and how we continue to include people and not be like icky about it, not make it a checkbox. You know, it's not like, okay, we've got our gay person and we've got our black person. Like, no, we, we just, I think that's why we focus so hard on art. We basically know our foundation and our goals every time we walk in and out of a movie night or a workshop with color film. And fortunately, it has brought a lot of 
different people together. We're just going to do what we what we wish we saw more of. And I'm going to do, I want to show movies with people. I wish I saw more films of growing up. That's really the only goal that we have with Color Film is just to help people use art to strengthen their voice. And everyone has a voice. And we just want to be able to be like, here's the tools and resources that do exist. And here's how we can show you that they exist. And now go run into the world with it. And we've done our job. And so, yeah, it's just, we all have our own voice. We just have to trust ourselves and our intuition and amplify our voice and just coast with it until the sun sets, which hopefully it never will, because we'll live forever. We're all immortal and we'll never die. But I think that's also what makes you such such a good artist is when you can be vulnerable. I feel like my art got a lot better and a lot more focused when I started becoming a lot more vulnerable and transparent and raw and honest with myself. You know, the receiving end of that is like, oh my gosh, I need so much therapy and healing, but I guess that's what art's for. Well, <laughs> yeah, that that's a thing that's a common thread in every single conversation on this podcast, mm -hmm. to be an ally for everyone else and to be an advocate and ally for yourself. Mm -hmm. It's essential for you to take care of yourself. It doesn't work unless we take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's also the way that we have more patience and can be more vulnerable and more loving towards other people when things are complicated or we're not sure exactly how to be an ally. If we're taking good care of ourselves and we're well rested and well fed, yeah. then it's easier for us to be vulnerable for our art or for our friends or for people that we don't know. So right. it, it's just absolutely essential. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I am self-care all day. That's a process in its own for sure. Mm -hmm. That has been essential. 2018 was me practicing self-care 100%. You know, I was watching a lot of people be like, 2019 is this year. It's going to be great. I'm going to take care of myself. And I'm like, man, I'm so happy I've been spending for exactly almost exactly a year now was when I really started my full like neck deep journey and self-care. And that's hard because it wasn't just like just do yoga and meditate. And that's like a big part of it. But it, it's a lot of stopping, just really stopping and breathing and learning patience with myself and knowing that it takes time. And that self care and self healing is what is making my art thrive right now is because not everything's gonna happen at once, especially like someone who's working on like writing a script and putting together a collective and making Spotify playlists, which is more work than someone might think, but I really like it. But the thing that's helping me balance that and my day job and just being a functioning human in society and an activist is like just self-care. And sometimes that means I don't do anything. I might put off a project. I might not do my laundry, but I just need to like uh, recalibrate. And that is the only way I'm surviving and thriving and creating art. So super cool. Super cool. So before we wrap up, let's um, let's talk about what you're up to these days and what you're working on and um, anything you'd like to have me share in the show notes and point people towards. Um, we're doing movie nights and workshops. We're kind of planning out the rest of the year and what that looks like. But to keep up with us, you can follow us on Instagram at Let's Color Film. And our website is also the same, letscolorfilm.com. So you can kind of keep up with our next events. We make it really easy to sign up for and we welcome anyone and everyone um, most of our events are all ages our movie nights might not be in that case I'll let people know 
Um, but we've got self-defense workshops. We really just try to create any kind of workshop that's for people that want to really find strength in their self and in their voice. And then the other things I've got going on, I release monthly Spotify playlists. So you can find me on Spotify. Um, you should be able to just search for me, Darby Rose. I'm also on social media at Darbleezy. I've had that since I was 18 and I will never change that. Yes. <laughs> I will never change it. I don't care what happens. It will always forever be the most Oakland sweetheart that I am. Well, thank you, Oakland sweetheart, Darbleezy. <laughs> yes, Thanks so much for doing what it is you do and for uh, spending this time with me just catching up. Yes. Thank you, Heidi. Take care and we'll see you all next time. Thank you. That wraps up another episode of Vibrant Visionaries with Heidi Bennett. I'm a business and wellness coach for multi-creatives. If you're curious about what it's like working with me, you can find me at HeidiBennett.com. And if you'd like to hear all the other episodes of Vibrant Visionaries, you can check out VibrantVisionaries.com. Thanks for listening to KACR LP Alameda Community Radio. Ciao!